The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving uh, you. Red Raiders get ready for Wyoming on Saturday. Uh, With Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire, I'm Chuck Hines. Anything stand out to you yesterday at his um, first press conference of the year in terms of game week and getting ready? Mm -hmm. I don't remember him saying anything that was contrary to what uh, he said in the past. Um, no, I wouldn't really say anything jumped out at me. Okay. I guess the thing that, that, that jumped out at me, and, and we'll get his thought on this, is uh, is the injury update. And he said, basically, we're as healthy as we've been. And here's Coach McGuire on the injury update for this team going into this week. Uh, the two guys that uh, we know we will not have is Coy Aiken. Um, doing great, great rehab, uh, feel good, has been moving his arm, been in the training room doing more mobility stuff with his arm, and then um, Charlie Robinson with his ankle. Um, everybody else, uh, this is probably as healthy as we've been um, since I've been here whenever we've had pads on, and so getting everybody back that either had ankles or calves or anything like that, they've been practicing, so uh, we'll know this week. We expect to get Nehemiah back this week um, and have him ready to go. I mean, he's on my travel roster, so I'm expecting him. Uh, the reports from the doctors have been good, so we're expecting him to play. Um, so as healthy as we've been, uh, especially it's, it's, it's uh, good to see. It says a lot about our strength staff and our nutrition staff because we've had a really physical um, camp, um, and so excited about that. Yeah, I mean, when you kind of look at things, uh, and the Charlie Robinson injury occurred a couple weeks ago. In fact, he was in a boot uh, yesterday, and it had been uh, reported uh, really by his by his mom on Facebook that he'd had <laughs> he'd had an ankle injury, and I think even had surgery on it. Uh, this is a couple weeks ago, and of course, Charlie played over at Coronado High School. Are you stalking players' moms on Facebook? No, she's now? just a we're. I mean, I, I, I know her, and we're okay. So this on, is a, a previous relationship. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've known. I mean, not. I've known. We were about to have to go talk to HR. I've known. I've known <laughs> about him since he was a uh, you know basically a little boy, basically born. Uh, but anyway, I don't know him personally. I've just known about him, and I've known her mom for his mom for quite some time. So anyway, the the bottom line is this. Um, yeah, you're really healthy, and, and you hope uh, that Martinez, Nehemiah Martinez, uh, the Lovett Cooper product, uh, gets cleared. He did say that he, depending on, you know, the clearance and all that kind of stuff, he, he won't play as much maybe as he would have, but That's because he's... Because of the conditioning. Yeah, the conditioning hasn't really been hasn't been practicing all that much, but hopefully uh, they get him, get him cleared. Another guy, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, uh, A.J. McCarty, the, the Baylor transfer, uh, they're hoping to hear, or they should hear today, is what Coach McGuire said. He said that they would hear today about him and that if they get good news, that he would travel to Wyoming and would see play at the star corner safety position. And uh, so they're hopeful on that. He's not been working out with the ones, but some with the twos and the threes. Um, so not necessarily taking time away from guys that are guaranteed to play uh, his situation is different um but anyway the bottom line is uh they should find out uh about him uh today so that's uh 
that's that's good uh, that uh, you know you're like you said as as healthy as you can be uh, going into this week and so they they're looking to uh, to get things turned around he um, he did say he's never been to Wyoming um, and one of the things that he also said Jamie was that they got to play they're going they're trying to eliminate bad football and by that he meant um, you know changing personnel delay of games um, you know um, pre-snap penalties um, all those all those kinds of things he felt like that uh, I don't I don't think he meant that they were eliminating a problem that they had had he had noticed that the games last weekend uh, that there were a lot of teams that were struggling with that uh, I don't. I don't think he referenced that that being an issue with his team. He just wanted to make sure they didn't fall into the same trap okay. that those other okay. teams had, yeah, that's, that's, had fallen that's, into. That's fair, but yeah, in the first week of the season, if you watch some of those games this past weekend, you saw some of that, which is you know pretty expected for week, game, one. week one. Yeah, yeah, game one, week one, whatever. And uh, he's hoping it, it kind of felt like. Uh, we got the advantage of watching those other guys do it wrong, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to do better than they did. Yeah, I mean, he he also said that in in their team meeting that he was going to point out uh, the '91 team that was a 17 point favorite to Wyoming and went up there and lost 21 to 17. And I went back and it was 22 to 17 was actually the final uh, in front of uh, 18,183. That was on September 18,000 big. Yeah. The crowd. Uh, that was September the 21st, 1991. That was in the midst of a four-game losing streak for the Red Raiders. They opened up that year with a win over Cal State Fullerton, then lost to Oregon in week two, 28-23. That was at home. And then went to Wyoming and lost, then uh, hosted TCU and lost, hosted A&M and lost, and then won five of their last six games to finish 6-5 and five and 5-3. Five and three in Southwest Conference play. And in those days, 1991, there weren't enough bowl games for a 6-5 and five football team to go to a bowl game. It's a bad deal. So, I mean, you go, you were two over 500 in uh, Southwest Conference play because you closed out the year uh, winning uh, against Arkansas at home, at Baylor, and at Houston, and then finish up 6-5 uh, and five on, the, on the season. It's interesting just kind of looking at at the crowds, um, your largest crowd was at Texas. No surprise there, 74,000. Your largest crowd at home was against uh, Texas A&M. And in those days, 50,577 was pretty close to a sellout because you didn't have the, the club sections on either side of the stadium nor the you know saddlebacks in the north end uh, of the stadium. So, you know, 50,577 was the final uh, attendance count that day, and that was that's pretty close to, to a sellout. But other than that, uh, you're in the 30s, um, and so it kind of speaks to kind of where you are today, where you've got 30,000 30, season ticket holders. And in those days, you had 36,000 people going to the games, mm-hmm. students, alumni, townies, all those kinds of things. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time for this day in sports history. Today is August the 29th, 2023. Here is Jeff McGuire. 1937. Philadelphia A's boss, Bob Johnson. You'd figure Bob would be an easy word to say this morning. Mm-hmm. Apparently, not so much. Is the second to get six RBI in an inning. So, yeah, that's a good inning. 
mm-hmm. for him and the team. 1960, Australian swimmer Don Frazier wins the gold medal in the 100-meter freestyle in the Rome Olympics. She retains the title she had won in Melbourne in 56 and would win an unprecedented third consecutive 100-meter gold in Tokyo in 1964. Speaking of 1964, on Elston Howard Night, New York Yankee Mickey Mantle ties Babe Ruth's career strikeout record. 1,330. <laughs> hey, if you're going to tie Babe, tie Babe. Right. Now, you'd like to be a little bit more positive than hey. a negative there. Sure. How many people can say they tie, uh, tie Babe Ruth? That's all I'm saying. 1977, St. Louis Cardinal Lou Brock eclipses Ty Cobb's 49-year-old career stolen base record with 893 as the Padres win 4-3. to three. 1987, Houston Astros pitcher Nolan Ryan passes the 200 strikeout barrier for a record 11th time. 2004, German Ferrari driver uh, Michael Schumacher clinches his fifth straight F1 World Drivers Championship with a second place finish at the Belgian F1 Grand Prix. 2012, the United States Anti-Doping Agency proves that they are un, as unimaginative as the NCAA. They strip Lance Armstrong of his seven Tour de France titles. Well, he cheated. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody not remember him winning those championships? It doesn't matter. He cheated. <laughs> I'm not saying he didn't cheat. I, I, I'm saying that the punishment is, unima- uh, un, is not... Using their imagination to actually put a punishment out. They're stealing a card from the NCAA. What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? I wanted them to take all of his cash that he won from those championships. <clears throat> I'm sure and, that he spent it. And pay them, pay that back to the people that he sued when they said that he was doping before they came out for it. 2022. St. <laughs> Louis Cardinals slugger Albert Pujols Hits his uh, career home run number 694 off a major league record 450th different pitcher in a 13-4 win over the Reds in Cincinnati. 694 homers, 450 different pitchers. Yeah, I would. that feels like a big number. Feels like you would have had more repeat offenders. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there, I mean, obviously there are, but that's just interesting that he faced... That he probably that he faced four hundred and fifty people mm-hmm. and hit a homer off of. Well, he hung around for a long time. Yeah, that's true. It is National Chop Suey Day. Out. Is it the vegetables that kick you out of it? it, it the whole thing, just chop suey. Jamie, I th- it smells too. I think. Eh, I mean, it's got most food has a a smell. I don't know that it's stinky. Uh, yeah, I mean. Did you really even need to ask me? No, I didn't. Yeah. I don't even know what's in it. I have no clue. Uh, pork, uh, vegetables, you're thinking like, uh, specifically like Chinese vegetables, you're looking at the... the yeah, it's just disgusting. <laughs> sprouts, broccoli, that kind of thing. It's got a sauce to it. Usually served either over rice or noodles. It's not bad. Is the pork cooked? Yes. The pork is cooked. <laughs> doesn't have any grill marks, though. It's just 
probably boiled or broiled. I, I, I might be able to handle it. I don't know if it if it doesn't pass the smell test. I mean, I don't. If it smells, it's not going in my mouth. Happy birthday, former Red Raider baseball player Clint Bryant is fifty today. One of the best. And former Texas Tech uh, football player T.J. Vasher, 75, uh, 25, excuse me. 75. <laughs> 75. 75. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Dante Basco. If you don't know who that is, you do, I promise, because you would know him better as Rufio in Hook. He's 48. Okay, I'm still I'm still, yeah, I'm still, still out. lost. <laughs> Rufio? Rufio. Hook? Like in, like in the movie Hook with Captain Robin Williams? Hook? Yeah, no, I don't I'm, think I've seen I'm, it. I'm, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Sorry, Man. I guess that I probably just, would like it, too. Hook is I just fantastic. never saw it, yeah. Uh, Hook is really, really... It's it, It's Robin Williams, so it can't be bad. Yeah, no, I bet I would like it. It's yeah. the what happens if Peter were to grow up in Peter Pan and then go back to Never Never Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Syngarner is 31, and Roy Oswalt is 46. Syngarner just got released. Yes, he did. So did Noah Syndergaard. Syndergaard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Both of you put an ER at the end. I did. <laughs> it's just no. Uh, 2005, Hurricane Katrina makes landfall near New Orleans, Louisiana, as a Category 3 hurricane. In addition to bringing devastation to New Orleans area, the New Orleans area, the hurricane caused damage across the coasts of Mississippi and Alabama, as well as other parts of Louisiana. In all, it's believed that the hurricane caused more than 1,800 deaths and up to $150 billion dollars. That's B- billion with a B mm-hmm. in damages. Um, and one million people were displaced by the disaster. A phenomenon unseen in United States history since the Great Depression. And that mm-hmm. is this day in sports history. All right, this day in sports history, 6.53 this morning. Do you want to know, and you might be able to guess this. Probably can, not. Can you guess who the career right now active leader for stolen bases is? Ricky Henderson. No, no, no. Active. active. Oh, active. Um, who do I think right now? Man, the Ray Acuna's taking him. He, it might be him. I don't, somebody's been around a while. Yeah. Former Ranger. Elvis? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Elvis yeah. Andrus. A 114th place. And... And he has, he and he is the active leader with 346. Crazy. I mean, he has two more than Ryan Sandberg, three more than Julio Cruz from just, you know, back in the day, five more than Amos Otis. You know, those guys weren't necessarily considered. Wouldn't call those guys speed guys, no. Fleet of foot, right? But, you know, back in the day. I mean, they weren't Frank Thomas, but they they weren't fast. He has seven more than Willie Mays. But, I mean, just when you think about the stolen base, and he has uh, seven less than Rod Carew. I would have never thought of Rod Carew as a base stealer back in the day. No. So, just kind of shows you what's happened to the art of stealing uh, in Major League Baseball. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3 presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Uh, true story. We did this at our wedding dance afterwards, the reception. And I, I think I did Gator. Okay. I think I d- got down and Gatored with the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I do not do synchronized swimming at Lowick Country Club, if somebody wanted to know. Do they have it there? <laughs> so, so when you say you gatored with the group, well, the people how many the other dan- people were gatoring? On the dance floor? Uh, so I don't know. gatoring is when you just lay there and act like you're in convulsions? Yes. They pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. You probably have never gatored, have you, Jamie? Would I've be, never gatored. That'd be, that would be my guess. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, come on, guys. <laughs> the AL West is still up for grabs. Uh, all three of these teams can win it. They play each other at the end of September, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Okay. Um, yeah, that's why we're all above 500 on our yeah. on our confidence level. Sure. All right. Uh, Joey McGuire speaking to the media yesterday, and I think this is something, you know, that we're going to maybe see right away um, and maybe incrementally each week as the competition gets tougher. And obviously – Week two, it gets really tough. Uh, week three, not so much. And then week four, Big 12 play. But I'm sure they would say, hey, week one, we got we got plenty of people to go up against here from a Wyoming defensive line standpoint. They're going to try to put pressure on the quarterback. But Coach McGuire saying yesterday the offensive, offensive line has made a huge improvement. I can't wait till Saturday for a lot of reasons. We're playing a really good defensive line. I mean, this defensive line – is uh, if you look, they were like 21st in the country in sacks last year. They've got uh, some guys, they're number 94, man. He is a ball player. And so they're really going to challenge us. That's the strength of their team. Um, you know, I've challenged our D-line. Can we play as hard as their D-line, you know, effort-wise? Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see our guys. We've got three old guys. It's great to see Rusty take over that center position so Dennis can play guard in his more natural position. You know, switching Caleb and, and Monroe, they feel more at home where they're at. Uh, I mean, you can just tell in their stances they're more comfortable. And, and so, you know, and I'm excited. I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid because, you know, he had a rough year last year with Caleb. Um, but you're talking about a guy that, like, his camp right now versus the way he played last year is like night and day. So I'm expecting a lot from him. And so they, they feel like, uh, and he still feels like, and he, he said this, you know, with us, what, early in the summer, that he felt like that offensive line was going to be a strength of this team. And, you know, they're, they're going in um, to this ball game in this season um, as healthy as they can be at offensive line. That's huge. So Good depth so, as well. Lots know, of experience. Mm-hmm. All important things. All, all important things. Uh, so speaking about the strength of his, this team, he was asked that yesterday, Coach McGuire was, and this is what he had to say. You know, I think we flip a little bit. Uh, if you Last year coming out of camp, I thought that our defense was ahead of our offense. Um, I think right now we're a little bit ahead offensively. Um, that goes with having two quarterbacks that we have that can and go out there, and Tyler has had a great camp. I mean, he's such a pro. Um, you have so many vets. I mean, like they, I think there's like 22,000-plus snaps on the offensive side of the ball in college football. And so when you're looking at that, it's a very experienced group. Um, what I really want to see on both sides of the ball, one, I want to see us be more explosive on offense. Um, we did a great job controlling the ball, catching the ball, and, you know, we'd be on 8, 10, 12-play drives. It'd be nice to have some of those shorter drives, you know, do we have more explosive plays. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, I've really challenged the defense to cut the explosive plays down. You know, I love playing great in the red zone, but we don't have to let them get there, you know. And so um, 
cutting down the explosive plays are going to be really big. Uh, we had too many, you know, it's year one, so expected a little bit of uh, busting some coverages and stuff like that. But we've got to be able to cut down on the explosive plays on the defense side of the ball. And it's, it's interesting because, I mean, you, you kind of look at it on both ends of the ball or both sides of the ball. They, they didn't have that many on, on offense, and it felt like that every time where you had a chance to maybe get off the field, uh, third and long or something like that, second and long, that you'd give up one of those 20, 25-yard plays, and it would set the other team up, you know, for at least being in the red zone. And then you'd have to, you know, play your tail off to, to try to avoid giving up a touchdown or maybe just holding them to a field goal. I feel like that if your offensive line, you know, can, can gel together like they say it has um, and, and play that way in the games, you're going to see more of that because your receivers are just too doggone, too doggone good. You know, and your quarterback has the ability to get the ball to him. So it would seem that you should be able to have more explosive plays on offense. Yeah, you'd like to think so with the improvement of the offensive line. I mean, you've got plenty of weapons. I think the offensive line's a big factor. I mean, you you can't wait for your receivers to, to get open, and you can't wait for them to get deep because the offensive line is, is struggling. Then it's harder to have big plays. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that w- that stood out to me yesterday uh, from Coach McGuire, um, he was he was asked about the oars uh, on the depth chart. In you know sometimes that means hey this guy is ahead of this guy or this guy is slightly ahead of this guy, and and Coach McGuire offered a different twist on what the oars mean, like when it says this guy or this guy or this guy, and he had this uh, to say about that. I'm a I'm a little different on the oars than some of the people before maybe me or just means i don't really care who's out there like it really does like when you read in an or to any of our depth charts just read that coach mcguire does not care who's out there so if mason tharp's out there awesome if baylor cups out there awesome like so those oars really doesn't have anything to do with hey this guy's been ahead of this guy or anything like that it's just not well, number one I want them to get the respect to being on the depth chart because I, res- I think that's a big deal to players and then two they're equal in my eyes of who's going to go out there and so a lot of it if you got I think we had Bryce or you know Isaac it's not that Isaac hasn't done well or anything like that it's they're both I really don't care who's out there and I, I, I appreciated uh coach is the point there about you know i want to show respect to the players and, mm-hmm. they, and they both deserve it and all that how else would you take the or is that they're equal i i think this i think the, hey, like the, what other staff was like well the or means one guy's ahead of the other i just never had heard it say where he said i don't care who's out there you know it doesn't matter to me who's out there because they're equal yeah yeah yeah, I mean, so I, I, maybe the other guys had felt the same way. They just hadn't communicated it that way. Okay, I, I mean, again, I, I think he's. It's really smart what he does with, you know, I want to show respect to both of those players, mm-hmm. and that's why we put oars there. But I wonder who the person is like. Oh, or means he's ahead of him. Who's that guy? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I just had never. You know. I guess when I looked at it that way, I in, in the past I was like, okay, well they. They're tied, okay? Yeah, yeah, they're exactly. Tied. They're tied. Yeah, but one of them's ahead. <laughs> but but because one of them's listed ahead, that meant to me that that one would have been ahead. Even but, when there was an or? 
Yeah, I mean, well, if you're going to well, put somebody on... you can't on t- put two on in the top. You can't, be, you can't write one name over the top of the other. I know, but when, the, when, when they're not in alphabetical order, okay, like in this case, cornerback Braylon Lux or okay. Malik Dunlap, I would have thought, okay, in my mind, previously, I would have said Lux is ahead of Dunlap, okay. Dunlap because L's not before D. I stand corrected. My, we have found that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not back. Sure. I mean, I just I didn't know how else to 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 read. I mean, if you if you had said to me Mason Tharp or Baylor Cup, I'm like, oh, okay, Tharp's ahead of Cup, but slightly because it says or, but Tharp T versus C, he's ahead because otherwise it would have been Cup or Tharp. Peter or York. I think I have taken it at times as these two guys are still battling for who's number one. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that these guys are equal, but they're still battling and that decision hasn't been made yet. Yeah, I, I can That's see that That's where I've gone with yeah. or in the past at times. Now, when it was Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton or, you know, the other 85 guys with one quarterback <laughs> on your roster and it was all oars, no, we knew who the Tyler Shuck was going to be your, your starting quarterback. Anyway, I'll, I'll grab an oar and see if I can, you know, get back on track with everybody else. But that's, I, I just thought, I thought, okay, well, if he doesn't care, then, okay, I, or I get that. we can ask Jamie his question of the day. Right. We'll do that next year this morning <laughs> on the Morning Drive. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. Hey, you're pregunta, por favor. All right, my question is to this is this to you guys. Mm-hmm. Look at the Big 12 non-conference schedule. In a few weeks for most teams, it ends after three games or three games, but not all. And tell me your top three non-conference Big 12 games this year. All right, um, I, I'm I'm really curious in this Utah Baylor game. Uh, it'll be on September the 9th in Waco. Um, the strength of the Utah team, and they're a top 15 team coming in, and Baylor trying to bounce back from a you know not so good year for them. Uh, that's that's game one for me. Um, later on that day, uh, Texas will play at Alabama. Alabama uh, coach Nick Saban not releasing a depth chart yesterday for the first time in his tenure there uh, prior to week one and uh, still says they're battling, hasn't released who the starting quarterback's going to be. So it seems like typical Saban stuff, scuffling, you know, with the media and, you know, just kind of twisting things away. Um, and then the backyard brawl uh, for me, I'm I'm really curious about uh, West Virginia and Pitt. I mean, this will be in Morgantown. It'll be a night game. It'll be uh, what college football really is, I think, all about in terms of rivalries and arch rivalries and going back to, you know, the 60s and the 50s and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I just think that that, uh, that environment uh, could be pretty electric. So those are my three. So I'm pulling a chuck. I've got four, but there's a reason. I've got a tie for third. I can't figure out which game I'm more interested in between TCU mm-hmm. and Colorado mm-hmm. or BYU and Arkansas. I think you're going to learn a lot about all four of those teams in those two games. So I don't there I can't pick between the two. However, number 2 for me, Kansas State at Missouri. This is bringing back an old rivalry game. 
This is kind of putting some team. It, I think Kansas State should win this game, but they're bringing back some hate, and, and that's going to be kind of fun. It's kind of like Pittsburgh and West Virginia. It is, but West Virginia is terrible. So that game's going to be over like at halftime. So is Missouri. It, we'll see. <laughs> I, I'm interested. Uh, and number one has to be UT at Alabama. As as much as I hate the Longhorns, it's I'm really needing Alabama to enforce their will on a football team. Okay, I'm not picking the best games. I'm picking the ones I'm the most interested in. Okay, uh, so number one would be the ninth, uh, Texas Tech versus Oregon. Number two would be the second, Texas Tech versus Wyoming. And three, uh, the 15th with Texas Tech plays uh, Tarleton State. I'm joking. Okay. Those are the three I'm most interested in. Now, okay, so my three, I'm going against the, you know, not picking Red Raider ones because, of course, those are the ones that we all are the most interested in. TCU and Colorado coming up on Saturday is number mm-hmm. one on my list. Yeah. I'm um, I'm interested in and in to see what TCU is is a year after the magical season, and uh, I'm really wanting this to fail miserably for Colorado and Deion Sanders. So um, that is number one on my list. I would have bet everything I own that you were going to say that. Number two on my list is the one Chuck had Utah against Baylor just wanting to see what Utah is all about wanting to see what Baylor's all about and number three on my list is the is one that Jeff mentioned uh, the uh, BYU Arkansas I don't care what Arkansas is but I want to find out what BYU is and so that one on the road uh, could be a tough one for them so those those are my three uh, Texas and Alabama I just I'm not a fan of either team uh, it'll be hyped so much it'll it'll make my stomach turn, okay. and so uh, I probably won't watch a single play of it. Okay. If there's other games on, I'll probably watch other games. Well, there'll, there'll be other games. Yeah, because I bet they'll let us know who wins. <laughs> Several times. I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm not interested to find out what Texas is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know what? Here's my guess. Uh, Alabama will be good, and they'll be in contention for the college football playoff. Okay. So, I mean, that's my guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, UCF at uh, Boise State plays at the same time that day from Boise. So That sounds could, way more entertaining to you, me, you Texas could, and Alabama. You could, you could take yep. that game in. Yep. Um, and you can you know watch the blue field and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm super interested in that early Big 12 matchup with UCF and K-State. Okay. Just to kind of see what uh see what both of those teams are. Yeah. 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 Can we just fast forward to the Big Twelve season? That's well, when I mean, it's gonna be really I, fun. You know, I th- I, th- I think this game this week is gonna be fun. I think I think the Oregon game is gonna be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those are what about Tarleton State? I hope it's not fun. <laughs> I hope that I, I hope that basically we're there. Oh, the for, Red Raiders winning by a lot I know. is fun. I mean, right? I just hope that I mean I hope Hope we don't that's, make it fun. That's I mean, fun. I hope we don't quote make no, it fun. No, if it's close, it's not fun. Yeah, yeah. I would say, uh, I would say, you know, basically uh, that that thing should be done by halftime, if not uh, midway through the second quarter. But hey, they'll, they, you know, they'll come here and try. They'll keep the lights on for the second half, no in do. case you were wondering. You don't have to leave if I it's a blowout. I am just really looking forward to seeing the new lights. I really am to see how much because it looks bright as I'm driving to work, you know. Um, that is a statement of fact. Those lights are bright. I, I am really. Is it just a blur for you though? 
Kind of. It's, yeah. it's a flash. It's like a I'll camera. tell you, man, traffic was heavy this morning on my way to work. Man, that was a lot of six o'clockers. I'm, I, I left just a couple of minutes earlier than usual, and, and the people that were anxious to get to work this morning were anxious to get to work. The six o'clockers were, I, I think, trying to clock in early, get a little extra OT or something. I don't, I don't know. But man, it was. Uh, but yeah, those those lights are bright. I'm I'm curious about uh, how they're going to use the 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 red lights, you know, and how fast that those things can go from you know the bright white to the red to the you know up to the touchdowns and things like that. Um, curious how it's going to sound without uh, you know people in the south end zone right now. Uh, and uh, all, all those things are just. I just want them to be able to bring back the night performance, the the night dark performance for the band. Still, the coolest thing I've ever seen the band do. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll and see, if, see that. If you can get them off and get them on fast enough, mm-hmm. so they get full power, you can do it. That's what's prevented tech in the past from doing it. I think they I think they just flip those things on and off just like a light switch. At now, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. 8.15 this morning here on the Morning Drive. <laughs> I'll just say this about Jerry Jones. I think when he makes comments like this, it undercuts his team. You don't see other owners of Super Bowl winning teams making comments like this that that creates uh, a faction inside uh, a locker room or inside the front office or inside the organization. Uh, you just don't. I mean, completely agree. You know, and completely so agree. You, sometimes you have to look at yourself in terms of why your team isn't winning. And if your team is, if you're putting doubts in people's minds. And, and you know, you know, Dak. I mean, he's human too. I mean, I realize that he has made a lot of money and makes a lot of money. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh, so he he thought Jalen Hurts was better than me, or oh, well he. He must think that Trey uh, Lance is a guy. Everybody thinks Jalen Hurts I, I is under, better. Than I understand that. that, but when you're trying to build up your team, okay, and you're trying to you make your team say, "I want to run through that wall for you," or "I want to overcome what is going to be coming at me," it if you have any doubts about your abilities, that um, just it doesn't it doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. And here's here's another guy who made an idiotic statement yesterday. I think just idiotic, tone deaf to the to the business world. And, and he can start with looking at himself, too, and that's Jim Harbaugh. He opens up his press conference on game week with about a six-minute statement wanting revenue sharing for student-athletes. It's not the first time that he said this. He says, we should be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm calling for a system that's fair, equitable, and benefits all involved. Don't exclude the student-athletes from the profits. My opinion, you can't say you're about diversity, equity, and inclusion if you aren't willing to include the student-athletes in revenue sharing. He makes $7 million a year. He's the highest-paid coach in college football or one of them. And here's the other thing is, if you want to look at the profits, okay, I'm sure the athletic director at Michigan would love to show him the P&L and go, Hey, Jim, guess what? By the time we pay everybody, including you and your staff and all the expenses that go with it, plus all the other sports, there aren't any profits. There's not anything left because we spend all that we make. We're not putting away any money for a nest egg. So I think they've done a really good job of trying to get the athletes paid something. But, man, there's 
you can't just say, well, I'm going to divvy up all the money with the football team and then to hell with everybody else. I mean, it's just it's just stupid for him to, to well, say I, things I think like you that. Could, I, th- I think you could still have revenue if you weren't having to build these fin- fantastically expensive and beautiful facilities and all the above that comes with it, right? I mean... Yeah, I, I just feel like, I mean, for him, for him to say... To split the profits, there, I'm just saying to you, yeah. there aren't any profits left over. There's just not. Yeah, I mean, you, I remember you, you have to a university or an athletic department has to pay employees too. Right, right, not just the football staff. Right, that's my point. Okay, yeah, but there are support people that you know are a part of all of that that would have to be paid. Okay, yeah. and I don't, and I think Jim Harbaugh's comments are 100 percent about you know making him i would think recruits love those comments oh sure they they, do and his football team loves those too but i mean for everybody else on campus they're like okay uh he says i want them to be treated with the respect and dignity that they deserve what i understand is how the ncaa television networks conferences universities and coaches can continue to pull in millions in some case billions of dollars in revenue off the efforts of college students across the country without providing enough opportunity to share in the ever-increasing revenues well (laughs) the cost of doing business continues to increase 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 and especially at a place like michigan where they're trying to keep up with ohio state and everybody else and, and be above them um i don't know is, I, is there any sense with you is there any i've said that wrong <laughs> take two <laughs> Is there any feeling in your mind of just, I'm just ready for it to just all break down and move to that? Like, just it, just like, uh, okay, go play a semi pro football and universities and all that. We'll, we'll get back to just having athletes that come here to, to play and get an education and, I don't know. I, I just, there's, I mean, there's just part of me that says, like, I feel like what, what the SEC has tried to do is try to lift that conference to a level where it's above everybody else. Mm-hmm. And the television networks have done it as well. And um, try to lift them above everybody else in college football. And, and there's part of me that says, you know what? Go do that. Just go do that. We'll we'll have this this SEC conference that's the top of college football, and and the rest of us will play in a competitive, entertaining, um, you know, different different level of football that I still think would be great. I still think would be entertaining. It may not have the semi pro players of the SEC, but I still think it would be phenomenal and. Teams would be on e- closer to equal levels and all the above, and I, I, there's part of me that just wants it to get because I feel like it's trending in that direction. Let's just get there. Let's just get it there. Let the SEC have their, you know what? You want to revenue share with them and do all of that? Just go do that, okay? And we'll get back to the way it used to be, and we'll have conferences that are close to each other, where schools are, you know, in the same geographical area. We can drive to the games. And I just, 
I don't know. I'm such an old fuddy-duddy. I get it. I, I, it's just like I, I, I long for the old days. No, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of right there. I'm right there with you. And, you know, I mean, but for, for, Har- for Harbaugh just to think, and somebody points out Michigan had a $17 million surplus last year. Okay, then why aren't the baseball players on full scholarship? Because the NCAA won't allow it. Right. But, I mean, that, that, needs, to, that needs to change. So why? Well, or you can say, well, because the baseball team didn't earn that money. It's the football team that earned that money. I understand. But I mean, it's always been people understand that you have the football team and you have you have this and then that allows you to have the others so you can have a yeah, well, college as, experience. As much as I agree with you on all I know, of that, all that's as, out a, the door. as a fan of other sports, uh, you know, we all know that football players and, ba- and baseball players are treated differently. No, okay. no, no question. With what they get and what they're given and what... Just all the above. And P- PJ I, thinks that Tech cleared five million last year. Okay, but I mean, there've been plenty of years they have. There, it's not that long ago that the university, that the athletic department was sucking off money from every other uh, department on campus to fund to fund the the deficit that they were facing because of whether it was construction or just you know lack of support from a football standpoint and, and ticket sales and TV money and all all those kinds of things. So. It, it's just it just seems really rich for me. I mean, if Harbaugh wants to start with that, then it's, you know what, Jim, cut your salary in half and spread it amongst your assistants and support staff. Because you know what, probably the next po- closest person to him, well, that, if they make a million dollars, then then that's that that's probably saying something. Because well, not he's very not many whining is, about his support staff; he's whining about the athletes. I understand that. My point is, st- start with yourself. You know, if you want to start with yourself and and contribute to the. I'm sure they've got some kind of Michigan initiative there. You know, Michigan, like we have the Matador Club. I'm sure they got the Wolverine Club or something. Oh, so, like. so, so if he's making seven million a year, yeah, how about he takes six million of that and just give it to the Wolverine Club? Right, <laughs> you spread it amongst. You know, I mean, and you can do that. Keep, keep, it's kind of like revenue sharing. Yeah, sure. I mean, keep yeah, in okay. mind, at most universities, including this one, where the head coach makes north of three million a year. The next highest paid guy generally is in the five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand dollar year, and I realize that's a lot of money, but there's a huge gap between your coordinators and your head coach. Let alone yeah, the president I, of your university, who in twenty twenty one his base pay for Dr. Skubinik was five hundred seventy five thousand dollars. It's just, I mean, I just think it's irresponsible for him to go off like that and and make these comments because it puts the university at such a disadvantage. What is the university going to say? Oh, no, we don't agree with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, no, no, that's totally. You know, it's like totally it's like just stupid, Jim. I mean, just why can't you just talk about your football team instead? You got to be on a political soapbox and go off about how wants to make himself look better to recruits, right? Uh, PJ, my statement was in agreeable with you, Chuck. Oh, okay, with only five million left, that won't go very far to pay four hundred plus athletes. I agree with you. Sorry if my statement wasn't clear enough. Okay, I get you now, PJ. Thank you. Good idea, PJ. But they don't pay all four hundred student athletes. Eight twenty-five on basketball for the most this part. This morning on the morning drive. Thank you for being with us. This has been the Morning Drive podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T ninety-seven three podcasts at double T ninety-seven three dot com.